0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Mongols Podcast sponsor at Roughneck Scarves. I'm Mike. With me is Kev. We've got a team-ish. we got lots of new players to consider and talk about, so let's do this. Let's go!
1: Everything was just falling into place.
0: Bunky Azil cuts inside with this one. Oh, terrific on me. Canelo Forbes. Ah, Steven Dos Santos from James. And oh, Mertz. Yes! yes! Mertz. Oh, and It's still the old intro. I think that might just be the running gag all year. It's just that we just keep using that old intro with players that are no longer with the team. Um,
1: why not? <laughs> I haven't... It's been so long since I've listened to an episode that, like... What? I'm Okay. It sounds like they're... It, this is, uh, let's move past this. I, I was, I was going <laughs> to ask you... If old players are on the intro, I was like, "Well, everyone who's listening to this already knows that." There's no point for us talking about this. Let's let's move on. Yeah. A little
0: behind the scenes, Kevin and typically Josh and whoever else is on the show, they don't hear the intro when we play it. We typically do the intro, and then I sit here and dance in my seat because I'm the only one that can hear it. And then they just wait for me to finish being a fool, and then we start <laughs> our conversation. So, um, no, Josh this week. Uh, he is. Uh, he mentioned at the last minute he's too busy um, doing. I think he's painting. Um, he said something about painting with the tears of Liverpool fans or something like that. I don't know. Um, so, you know, that happened. That was nice, man. Kev, you're, nice. <laughs> you're welcome. Very nice. You're um, welcome. Very nice. But, Kev, uh, man, it's been a minute. Like, I don't. It's been uh, a while. Last time you and I talked, you were kicking my butt in a uh, Valentine's Day version of Jeopardy uh, that we did with <laughs> our family.
1: So, what's been going on? I finally have news, albeit. Um, extremely boring news uh something to say when you asked me that question on the podcast i went to a a birding state park here in Knoxville over the What's weekend that really cool it it's apparently it's one of the few like ecological areas around that is like a a pretty well-preserved grassland area and i guess grasslands are pretty important for migratory patterns of a lot of birds and i think right where we're located we're kind of at the kind of border between two different like major migratory zones and patterns for a bunch of different birds. So there's this one park um, that's near Knoxville that like, I I guess over 200 species of birds have been spotted there and there's all sorts of things. And that's kind of lately been my pandemic thing of trying to learn a little bit about like birds and stuff. And so, yeah, I I went there over the weekend, really cool park. I saw a, a great blue heron, which was cool. Um, and I need to get a lot better at like, I like understanding and identifying all sorts of birds. But, uh, yeah, that was really fun.
0: Are you, are you going like full bird watcher in that? Like you
1: have like the app and you're trying to match the sounds and all of that. Usually I would every other hobby. I I would do it for 30 minutes and then drop $500 on stuff and like (laughs) never use it again. Um, I'm, I'm restraining myself this time. Uh, but, no, right now I'm just trying to just have fun with it and let it kind of go organically. And, um, yeah, uh, so no, I have I, no information. I watch YouTube videos every once in a while. Our other brother called the other day, and, at like, you know, it was a Friday night or something. And I was like, yeah, I'm just sitting on the couch watching bird videos. <laughs> Riley's asleep. <laughs> it's 9 o'clock. Um, so, okay. yeah, it was, it was cool.
0: Well, I will say this. Welcome to uh, welcome to 30. Kev, mm-hmm. you, you finally made it to the other side. I made it. You made it. I think it's funny that you know you turn thirty and you are immediately doing
1: something that you know a sixty yep. year old does. You bird yeah. watching. <laughs> I've always felt like my personality matched up with this decade in my life. This is my this is my decade. I can't wait to yell at kids and and just you know sit in my armchair and just be cranky and just watch it watch birds out, out my window. Yeah. I've I've been preparing for this my entire life. I'm, good. I'm ready. Good.
0: Good. Good. Preparation is key. <laughs> Um, Speaking of preparation, Kev, you and I had to do a lot of preparation for this episode because, well, we haven't had an episode in quite a while. Um, The last episode that we had, uh, I sat down and got to chat with Preston Kilwine, which was awesome. Most of our interviews were like 15 minutes. He and I went on for like over a half an hour. It was just super chill, talked all about, you know, his, his hobbies, how much he loves sushi and how much he loves cooking and how he got into all of that um really, really cool stuff if you haven't listened to that, go listen to that. he's he's gonna be a great addition to this team. He seems to have just the right attitude so looking forward to him joining. But since then um I shouldn't say since then, since the last time we had sort of a sit down, let's talk about the players episode, we have signed a bunch what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players to this squad. So while we were complaining earlier on that like where are all of our players at? We got some players now. So um, I think we should break down each one of these players and try to get a sense of, like, you know, is this an upgrade? Is this a downgrade? Where does this sort of leave us? And uh, and go from there. Um, rather than going front to back, Kev, because I feel like probably midfield to forward is probably the some of the more exciting conversation pieces. Let's go back to front. So um, right now, I mean, the team basically, we went we now have 16 players signed. We'll just start there. So last year we had 23 on the roster. There's still more players to come. Um, But let's go back to front with what we have as of today, which is February 22nd. Um, Two keepers signed. We have Danny Vitiello, and we signed recently Chris Morris. Now, Chris Morris is a 23-year-old fresh out of college. Um, Ironically enough, he won the MIA title uh, with his team by defeating Hope. Hope, who at the time was coached by... Dave Brandt, does that name ring a bell, Kevin? Um, <laughs> yeah, this feels like a depth play to me. Um, I have no yeah. doubt that, that Chris is, is a good keeper. But, I mean, we said the same thing about Danny Vitiello last yeah. year, and he fought his way into a spot. So,
1: I think either way, if if Chris's ceiling, I don't, Vitiello's ceiling is high enough where I wasn't, particularly worried about the keeper position i feel good with vtlo going in granted we do have a history of of keepers going down injured um so you know we might have to see see chris more often than than maybe a second string keeper would but um so i don't know yeah it's hard to tell but i i wasn't looking for a particular upgrade on vtlo in this position so the fact that we got someone else in great um and, uh, you know, yeah, with the ETL last season, we have a history of uh, second-string keepers doing pretty well. So I guess we'll keep an eye out for Chris.
0: I think historically, Lily has tried to keep three keepers on the roster. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes from here. And I think that might give us an indication of just how good Chris is, um, whether it is another you know, fresh-out-of-college player or if he goes for somebody with a little bit more experience to potentially challenge Danny more, So keep an eye on, you know, who else comes in, because that that could give us even more information about just how good Chris might be. Um, Moving forward uh, into the defensive position, um, we already know, obviously, about Jordan Dover, Danny Rivera. Spent a lot of time, like I mentioned, talking to Preston Kilwine. Hound signed two more defenders. Uh, Most recently signed Ezra Armstrong um, 22 year old player spent the past few years playing in Europe. Um, he's a left back, so not a center back here to step in. Um, he, he plays out wide. He was signed directly to Swope Park Rangers out of the sporting KC Academy when he was 17. So he's been a pro since he was 17. So even though he's 22 years old, he's has five years under his belt as a pro, which is pretty good. You don't see that a lot. I mean, Chris is Chris Morris is 23 years old straight out of college. This will be his first pro year. Ezra has five years pro experience. Seems like he has some pretty good straight ahead speed. Um, but to me, unless we see something special, I don't necessarily see him supplanting Jordan or Danny. I mean, what do you think? Well, have- yeah, but
1: I, I think Jordan, for me, is a right back, and mm-hmm. so is Rivera. So if if Armstrong, I mean, you know, with Rayleigh, you know, kind of locking down the position two years ago and then coming back as kind of a, a bit part player. And, um, and and James playing there last season and playing so well, and then also moving in the midfield, et cetera, et cetera. There's a gap there, and it's big shoes to fill. Um, and I th- you know if, if he is if he is strong on the left side and the right side, I, mo- I, it feels like most you know most fullbacks these days have to be um, be able to be pretty versatile and play on the left and right. But I, there's a hole at left back, and it sounds like this is, even though he's 22 a lot of experience, this, this could be this could be exciting. So you think he might be more than depth play? Well, I just I guess I don't see anyone else who's an out and out left back right now. Yeah. Um Dover to me is an out and out right back and Rivera yeah. can kind of play everything. Yeah. Um so I don't know. I I to me, yeah, we, why why not? We could we could seem start. Yeah.
0: Again, it's early. We'll get it to is. it. Um the other signing that uh came a little while ago Alex Dijon. uh he is 29 years old, and this is more of, obviously, the veteran play, where he played 15 games with Orlando City in the MLS over the past two seasons. Um, he's a center back. Um, you know, like I said, decent experience. He sort of played all over the place, when this news was announced I think a lot of people our first impression was like oh wow MLS experience and then you sort of see you know what happened and everyone's just like eh, okay but I think having some of that experience maybe playing alongside someone like Preston who um not that Preston is an experienced but uh you know he's 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 definitely younger um that could be an interesting combo so we'll have to wait and see I'm sure that Lily is not done signing center backs because we have two on the roster so far so you know either one of those could potentially be depth plays but um but we at least now have a you know in theory if we needed to start (laughs) a defensive unit we have enough players to start a defensive unit so that's that's a positive
1: this carries on the trend i think that that we'll talk about again with the upcoming uh players in the midfield and forwards but there, it feels like a nice balance between getting experienced players and young players um, I mean I'm, I'm trying to think on the spot right now trying to go back through the, the list of players from you know the past two seasons it seems like generally Lily likes to do that um, you know with with such a a youthful midfield last season it was complemented you know by the likes of dos santos and even even players who didn't end up playing like the likes of Tony walls was at least there in the locker room on the, on the field and, and, you know, and, and practice. So I, I think generally, I mean, I think it's just a good move to never get too much experience and never get too much youth. And, uh, and we're seeing that in the defenders and, uh, you know, we see that in the midfield and the forwards as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, you mentioned sort of
0: the youth, the mix of the youth and, 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 and sort of the, the, I don't want to say senior players, but more experienced players. Um, I think it was our buddy Mark Goodman who pointed out, um, and this sort of segues into the next player We're going to talk about The Hounds have a pretty good track record Of grabbing guys out of college um, You know, it was Robbie Mertz a few years ago And then it was Velarde um, and, uh, and 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 uh, now I am totally blanking Danny Griffin Danny yeah. Griffin, there it is yeah. yeah, like one of my favorite play. This is how long it's been since we've watched the Hounds play <laughs> That I'm just completely blanking on players So yeah, Danny Griffin Um, So this next player, uh, obviously in midfield returning, we have Danny Griffin, Kenny Forbes, and Velarde. Um, Two new midfielders that were signed most recently, uh, Louis Perez, and he's French. So I don't think it's Louis. I think it's Louis, but we'll figure that out. Um, Signed fresh out of the University of Central Florida. Watching the highlights, hearing what people were saying about this guy. He seems like a creative playmaker who's also really good on set pieces, which... You know, having a set piece specialist would not be a bad thing for us in this league. Um, he's getting a lot of hype. And, and while I'm excited to see what he has, um, we've also seen this hype before in a number of players. And then, you know, they never see the field. So I have high hopes. That you know, Perez could step in and you know potentially be that creative playmaker, you know, alongside a Griffin or Velarde, depending upon how we want to set up. You know, if we go with that three-man, if we go with a you know a double pivot and then three in front of that, that could be an interesting trio. But um, but we'll have to wait and see. I, I think that's I think this is an interesting signing to watch. Um, whether or not he'll make it into the starting eleven is gonna be is gonna be interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it it is such a toss up with. Fresh-faced players that that come out of college, and I think we've seen the spectrum of of outcomes for for all of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I know you know Griffin, at least for us on this podcast, flew completely under the radar last season, and I think ended up being one of the you know better performing players over the course of the season. And then you get players who I'd maybe put right in the middle of the spectrum, like Velarde, who. You know, it's taken him two seasons to kind of get up to pace, and he's you know he hasn't cemented a starting position, but he comes on as subs sometimes, and you know when rotation happens, he'll start a game, and he'll generally play pretty well. I mean, for me, Velarde hasn't lit up the sky or anything, but he's been a he's been a solid player, um, and you know we have the likes. I know, <laughs> I can't think of them, but we you know there are players who come in and then just never never make an impact and end up leaving. I I never, I need to remember his name, but I know there was a Loney from Columbus crew who was like super young. And I was like, so excited for, I think it was like three seasons ago. And, uh, I think he came in, played two games was crap. And then just left. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I'm, I'm reserving judgment for, for Perez and, and, and for, for players at that age, I mean, we should allow them to kind of, you know, show their skills themselves and, and not heap too much pressure on them and, um, so yeah um, we'll, we'll see in due time but yeah I mean the the talk of of a mold, a player in the mold of you know a creative number 10 you know something I think Justin has been um, calling out for uh, for the past few months um, probably maybe all last year um, yeah it's it's good to hear yeah I mean I think I think a prime example from
0: last season was somebody like Lucas Fernandez that everybody got really excited about you know sort of super hyped up and then sort of struggled to get into the starting 11 he did have a few goals but like it wasn't anything spectacular so it's it's going to be walking that line to try to figure out you know where where uh where things fall so um and you know as the steel army pointed out lily's track record with bringing in young frenchmen so far has been pretty good if he's anything like tommy v like great things ahead um the other midfield signing that that really it seemed like lit up the whole soccer community uh, was Todd Wharton. So Todd spent last season with St. Louis FC, just like Russell Cicerone, who we've talked about previously. He's 27 years old. Um, you know, our buddy at USL Tactics, who we had on for a chat a few episodes ago, his quote was, "This is exactly the type of player Pittsburgh needed to fill out their first choice midfield. Huge addition." Wharton gives you loads of defensive grit alongside clean ball retention, and he's proven himself for years at the USL level. So he wasn't the only one to go crazy. The St. Luligans said that the Steel Army is going to love this guy on and off the field. Just seems like an amazing personality, tons of grit, hardworking. Um, You know, you watch the highlight reels. The guy can pick a pass, man, like like, – Skill upon skill, so I, I'm I'm like at a loss because I was I was surprised. I saw this and I was like, ah, you know, another guy from St. Louis. But once you actually start watching and paying attention, dude's legit. Um, so you know, you start to think about could he be someone that you potentially pair up with Kenny in like a double pivot, and then allow you know more attacking-minded midfielders to play in front of them. Um, you know, does this does having this sort of depth at midfield which you know just a few weeks ago we were like where the heck is our midfield having somebody like a todd warden in midfield and we'll talk about some of the guys who listed at forward that i think will likely end up playing in a midfield spot um you know does that cause lily to rethink how we actually line up like do we go with more of a you know like a four two three one instead of our five you know 3-2 or whatever we were doing last year so I, it's interesting it's, it's it's interesting
1: yeah i mean I, I think it this signing fills some of the holes that i think have been left in our team in our midfield in yeah. particular previously um once again talking about the balance i mean outside of forbes we have a pretty young midfield so here's yeah. not only the age of 27 feels nice but i also love the amount of usl experience i think sometimes while even though it can be kind of like sexy to talk about players who have kind of jumped up and down from the mls or have jumped around to other leagues while have a lot of experience in quotation marks in that way it's it's leagues are leagues are unique leagues all have their own identity and and you know kind of feeling what you know the tempo of the league i think makes it makes a difference and to have someone who's played this long in the in the USL and has the qualities that he has, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think Kenny is will will love this signing. Um, to to have someone who, you know, wants to get stuck in in the midfield and let and let Kenny just you know be the technician that he is, um, I think that that could it could be a good signing.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I think had we not brought in sort of a another veteran in the midfield, I think. It would have been exciting, but it probably wouldn't have been as consistent as like we've grown accustomed to with Lily. So I think that this is a really—he's not an older guy, you know, only 27. But like you said, the experience is there. So I I do think that, that Todd Wharton is going to be a very—I um, keep—I keep saying like interesting and ex- I need better adjectives, man. I'm terrible. At yeah, English. read a book, Mike. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, ugh, the struggle is real. But good. I mean, honestly, like this seeing this sort of shake out is starting to get me really excited about the season. Whereas just a few weeks ago, I was kind of like, you know, you sort of look
1: around and it's like, well, what do we even got here? And yeah, I I think our midfield in particular is shaping out really nicely, Um, which is something I think in the past that we really, uh, I'm I'm hesitant to say this, but I almost feel like in the past our midfield has kind of been overlooked outside of Forbes where and and look our our midfield was very good last season with, with Mertz and, and Griffin but I don't know. The plot is usually go to the strong defense and then the one you know, Dos Santos or Brett the season before, um and you know, having a goalkeeper that gets golden glove or something. And and so I think having a team that where you know, the the kind of anchor of the team sitting in the midfield potentially it's way too early to say whether or not that's gonna be the case. But on paper it looks like it could be shaping up that way. Um, you know, with the likes of of Griffin having another season, Kenny being Kenny, um, you know, Wharton being who he is, Villarde getting on a, into a third season and Pratt. Pere- I mean, it, it could this is it's a nice on paper it's a nice balance of both um kind of skill and mold and age and experience and yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. Yeah.
0: And that's to say nothing of, you know, as we move forward to literally the forward crew, which right now they have four players listed as forwards. Uh, Russell Cicerone is listed as a forward. I know in St. Louis he played, he could play as a forward, but he also spent time out wide left, potentially at left back throwing crosses in. So Kev, you mentioned sort of like, you know, is Ezra, maybe, maybe the plan will be to put Cicerone back there at left back and let him fly up and down the side. Who knows? We'll see. But the other three, um, Albert our Dequa, who is returning from last year, and then two new forwards. And these I think are 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 to me they feel like almost not necessarily opposites, but but they're they're both interesting for different reasons. So the first one is Alex Dixon, which Alex Dixon is a former rhino, um, which, you know, it would not be an off season if Lily wasn't signing a former rhino. He is thirty years old, so like, you know, not a spring chicken, but Dude was with Hartford last year. He led the team with 11 goals in 42 games. To put that in perspective, um, when I first heard that, I was like, 11 goals, like, that's not, you know, that's fine. Like, that's not super. Kev, can you guess who our leading goal scorer was last year and how many goals they had?
1: Probably Dos Santos, and I'll say probably, I don't know. I want to say like
0: eight. No, Dos Santos was tied for second with five, along with Velarde, Mertz, and James. Jesus, <laughs> Mensa led the team with six. So wow. I'm like, I'm, I'm sitting here going like, eleven goals. That's not that many, but like, dude had almost twice as many goals as our leading goal
1: scorer, in and, and a Hartford team that. Yeah. Did quite well outside of us thinking that they were crap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: they had... He had 11 goals. They scored 31 goals on the season. So he had more than a third of their goals. Um, to
1: put that in perspective, we had 35 goals on the season. No, he had less than a third of their goals, but a third of their goals. No. How many goals did they score? Say it again. 31. He had
0: 11. Oh, I thought you said 38. Sorry. Math is hard. Um, but anyway, <laughs> No, so- listening is hard. Math is hard. <laughs> <laughs> um... I also thought what was interesting to me is again I was when 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 they announced this signing I was just like eh, yeah okay first of all Hartford fans absolutely loved him like that was one of the first things that happened the outpouring of support on social media from Hartford fans that were like we're gonna miss you best of luck like you were everything for us that's huge second of all for those who didn't listen to my conversation with Preston Kilwine um, he mentioned that when he when he found out that he was being signed by the Hounds one of the first people he texted was Alex Dixon and just said let's do it like let's get going because Preston had developed a relationship with Alex just from competing with each other and uh and there was sort of this mutual respect that they'd like hang around and talk after games and things like that so they've developed a bit of a relationship from the standpoint of like a forward recognizing a good defender and a defender recognizing a good forward so that's that's exciting hearing that come from another player i think is exciting um, and if you go back and you watch his highlights, I mean, first of all, he's got some he has got some speed. Second of all, dude's got an amazing first touch. Like, the number of goals that he scores from, like, a simple bring down that you're like, what? And, and then it's in the back of the net is incredible. So I'm super excited about Alex Dixon. Like, now that I've actually done my homework, which, you know, like, we're supposed to do, like, really excited about having him with the team. hes He seems to be a completely different kind of forward than we've seen in at least the past few years with the Hounds. Um, he's not like yeah. a Mensa or a Dequa. He's not like a Dos Santos. I, he
1: has shades of Brett, I think, in his performance.
0: Shades of it. I think he's quicker than Brett, though. Um, yeah, I agree. I don't know what his hold-up play is like. He looks like he, he likes to play underneath another forward, which... Who knows what that could look like. That might be the player that we're going to talk about next. It might be somebody else that we bring in. We'll see. Mark Forrest still hasn't been signed yet. So you never know.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah. No, yeah. I, I, th- I think Dixon is really, once again, I, I think it makes, a t- I, I love signing a player who scored loads of goals in the Eastern Conference of the USL. Yeah. Like it, it recently, yeah. you know, like that's, it's, it's. Yeah, I don't know. It it's, that feels like such a signing that no matter what team you love or or support or whatever, no matter what league you follow, no matter if the team you follow signs another forward who's doing it in that league and then comes over to your you know team and he's going to be playing pretty much the same teams that he was playing last season and and you know that's exciting and yeah, I mean I watching a lot of the highlight videos of him. Doesn't lack confidence. Um, a, a lot of his goals is, are you know he's he's taken he's taken longer shots. He looks extremely composed under mm-hmm. pressure. Um, looks a little two footed. Uh, yeah, he, he he definitely favors his right, but um, scored some goals with his left foot that like weren't just tap ins. Um, yeah, he's, he looks like a confidence player who has speed, who has composure, who's done it before in this in this conference um two foot i mean yeah what's what's not the love the only like my only worry around him a bit is he his stature i think is a, is after looking at dos santos for, yeah. <laughs> for the past two seasons he's the opposite of dos santos right he, he's fi- he's five eight and a bit thinner um yeah. but you know with that just comes a different game uh so yeah i i wonder i mean
0: as we start to talk, and we still have one more player to talk about, but as, as we start to talk about how this team is shaping up, it does make me wonder if we aren't going to see a different type of hounds this season. I mean, the past few seasons have been very much, you know, based around hold-up play, right? You get the ball out from the defense, you play it up to the Dos Santos, Dos Santos holds on to it, he either gets fouled or, you know, you play it up to Dequel. Well, he holds on and waits for the midfielders to rush through. If we don't have that big body up top and you're starting to see us stack the midfield with, you know, more um attack-minded players with a little bit more speed, are we going to see more of a transitional type game rather than a, you know, hold up, um pull the rest of the team in with you, or are we going to be more counterattacking even? Um which would be interesting considering that we only returned, you know, two defenders and they were both outside backs who play practically the same position. But yeah, I mean trying to get inside the head of Lily a little bit, that's
1: it's way too early for that. I know,
0: I know, I know. But look, what else do we have to talk about at this the season's not gonna start until like May. So it's February. We still have two months to try to like figure out what the heck is going on with this team. Yeah, fair so, enough. So I will say this. Talk a little bit about Dixon. I feel like Dixon not that Dixon is like a sure thing, but I think on the flip side, the next player we're going to talk about is a bit of a Hail Mary play, I think a little bit. So Josh Gatt, um, he is 29 years old. He's, he's signed as a forward. Now here's Josh Gatt's story. He has been played with injuries his entire career. When he was younger he was called up to the U.S. men's national team. Like he was seen as this promising young forward, and then it was just like hamstring injury after knee injury after injury. Played a little bit in MLS. Went over and played in Europe for a while. He's basically at a point where he he's trying to make his comeback tour. Like he has this chip on his shoulder. Like if it hadn't been for injuries, I would have been there with the U.S. men's national team. Like I'm a solid player, um, and for all intents and purposes, it looks like he could have the skill set if he can stay healthy. You know, um, our our buddy again, uh, uh, Mark Goodman said that, you know, he has speed that could potentially rival Francois and he has a bit more composure on the ball. And apparently um, when he was with Colorado, there were moments that he would turn guys inside out that like the whole stadium would be gasping. So there's clearly potential there, but what does that translate into after, you know, years of injury and, and things like that? So this very much feels like if it works out, it could be really, really interesting. But it also might not work out at all. So I, how are, are are you excited about or are you like tempering your expectations about Josh?
1: No, I'm, I'm the same. I, I was I was ready to be combative with you thinking that you would say this is a great signing and yeah. it's gonna solve it and I'm, i'm the same way i mean <laughs> you're, you're asking me at this the wrong time if a player has injury problems i don't want to hear i don't want to hear about them i don't want to think about them i don't like it's why is that kev yeah <laughs> yeah um so yeah it's tough I, and, and like i said before i, I I've said it twice now already in, in this podcast. I think there's a difference between popping around to a bunch of different leagues and gaining that experience and then getting USL experience. Um, I'm, I, I don't know. I, just, I feel more confident in players who have played and proven themselves and done it year after year in the USL than players who have kind of jumped around. And granted, look, I mean, but I, I, caveating everything that I just said, he has a high ceiling I mean if, yeah. if if it works out for him if he stays healthy if it's the right environment for him if he has the right mentality and he he fits in with the rest of the locker room and he slides into the system yeah he's he's shown throughout his entire career his his ceiling is very high and he's a very talented player so if it works out great it could it could be a great risk high reward and um, and it and it could be exciting. I'm just I'm so, I you know I'm not, I'm I'm too afraid to fall in love at this point. Yeah. I, I gotta I gotta see him play like more than two games in a row, and then uh, and then maybe I'll start getting excited.
0: I, I mean, this uh, out of any player that's on this list, obviously, I think some of the younger guys might still have aspirations beyond USL. But this is someone who clearly I think sees Pittsburgh as a stepping stone to something else. And so if that's going to be the case, which at at 29 feels weird. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, there, there are a number of articles out there and he makes the argument that like, he still thinks he has a good eight to nine years left because his body hasn't taken the wear and tear of playing all these seasons. Like other players have, um, his body's taken wear and tear in other ways, but out of anybody on this roster, I think he probably has the highest aspirations for moving beyond Pittsburgh into something greater. And so that as an
1: incentive could be a very powerful driver to cause him to produce if he's able. Yeah, which and I know Josh has talked about this before too, and I'm, I'm fully on board with it. I'm, if you want to come here and do great things for a season and then move on, great. We're ha- like I for me as a fan. I'm I'm happy to be that stepping stone because I think you know we shouldn't be naive in thinking that you know we're the end of the line right. for soccer players in America. Um, we're not, and you know it was it was it was wonderful. See now I can't even remember his name because it's been so long. The ge- the keeper who now plays at Zach Steffen. It was wonderful seeing Zach yeah. Steffen play yeah. play for a while. Like, and that's. And it wasn't great. even a full and season. It was like it half a season. It was great. Yeah. yeah. And so you know, no issue with that. If he wants to come here and, and use this as a stepping stone and, and have a, you know breakout season, great. Um, and and that alone, I think, could also. You know, I we have a lot of young players in the squad, and and you know, influencing them and and helping them kick on and. So yeah, it's it's just it's so hard to tell with him though. Um yeah. it it could it could be the best signing we've had in the past few years. It could be someone like, you know, Tony Walls who we didn't see at all last season.
0: Yeah. I think my biggest concern with Josh and obviously I know nothing about him. It might be good to get him on the show and talk to him a little bit is the the um uh, the locker room aspect of it whereas if it is so much of like me 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 trying to get beyond this like is that ultimately detrimental to the rest of
1: the locker room Um, and he could not be that way he could be the perfect professional who comes and works hard and and that could be great it's just and that's the case with any of these players we it's, it's hard to say but yeah i think kind of putting putting um unwarranted stereotypes on him someone of his profile you know, there, there's there's an intuition to suggest that like, you know, they're they're not there for you know the team, um, right. but yeah, that could be that could be extremely wrong in this case. Yeah. So I mean, looking at what we
0: have right now, you know, you start to think a little bit about like, well, how could this team line up, right? So let's say that, let's say that Josh Gatt is firing on all cylinders, right? So now you have a Josh Gatt. You have an Alex Dixon. You have maybe an Albert Dequa up top. At this point, if those two are firing, I don't even know if Albert Dequa makes the starting 11. Like, you just don't know. I mean, we saw good flashes of him last year, but...
1: It was flashes, though. Yeah, Dequa last season was a bit weird at the beginning of the season he he was injured right that's yeah. why he didn't get a lot of playing time yeah and yeah he comes on at the end of the season and, and plays pretty well and looks confident and so yeah Dequa is another one where I don't know what to expect of him this season if he can stay fit and healthy and and get a run of games and get some tempo Dequa could be you know a really big player and it, it's hard to say I think the one I like out of all of them I I really want to see Alex Dixon play um, yeah. and I and I like he's 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 the one I think even more than Dequa, I think, is the most sure bet. Yeah. You know, for a player that plays so many games last season for Hartford, for a Hartford team that went into the playoffs, um, did well, scored all you know, scored eleven goals, showed a lot of promise. they like he, he's not gonna make a sideward step and not play I mean it's up to him. I know that. And Lily could decide that he sees something in training, and sorry, Dixon isn't going to play, and he has to prove himself. So it's not its not an obvious thing that he's just going to be the first name on the team sheet. But I think the season he had last season for a quote-unquote rival, not even quote unquote, I mean, they were a rival. They yeah. were in our COVID division. Yeah. Um, and and playing so well, yeah, at Dixon is, I think, an exciting prospect. And, and I think the most obvious kind of first forward on the team sheet.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, think about it. So, okay, let's say Dixon and either Dequa or Gat up top. You start to look at a midfield of what? But you're
1: assuming we're playing two forwards. I don't know where I'm, well,
0: I'm, ju- I'm I'm look, I'm just saying I'm trying to get people to start thinking about how good this team could potentially be. Obviously, we're okay. going to do whatever we're going to do. So, okay, think okay. about that a little bit. Now you got a midfield where you've got a Kenny Forbes and a Todd Wharton. Now, you've got like a Danny Griffin or a Velarde or, you know, even a Russell Cicerone, which I think he's going to figure out a way to get into that starting 11 as well, whether it's out yeah. wide. Um, you know, there's almost not enough room for all of those guys in midfield. And then you get back to the defenders where, you know, you've got your Danny Rivera, you got your Jordan Dover that we know, um, you know, I, I don't expect too much from, from Preston and Alex and sort of center back They're center backs. Like I, I think as long as they yeah. shut it down, you're like, great. Like you did your job. That's awesome. I'm not expecting them to, to bury a lot of goals. You know, Preston got his one highlight on ESPN when he was in college. And I think he had one for New York last year, but otherwise it's not, that's not why they're there. He, so, is though, like. he is a unit though he is a unit he is a unit yeah i'm sure he'd appreciate you saying that as well um but yeah and then you know vidiello and golfer right now who you know won the golden glove last year
1: so things are a lot more rosy yeah in this time we're talking than they were previously i mean just because last time we didn't have a lot of information last time we talked and i i really i really like how it's shaping out i yeah. think there's more to do not only from a depth perspective perspective but i think there's there's a few more you know options there for starting 11 positions up like you know as in the past five minutes that we've been talking it's not obvious what we're going to do it's not obvious the first you know the the the, the best 11 players so far that we've signed Mm -hmm. um so yeah i think both from a depth perspective and a starting 11 perspective there's still there's still work to do but i think we made a lot of a lot of really good
0: progress Where would you like... So, you know, the Hounds have been sort of announcing signings fast and furious. Where would you like to hear... What position would you like to hear that we sign next?
1: You know, weirdly enough, I still want another big hitter in midfield. Um, Hmm. I think Kenny having his spell being injured last season. I mean, I think all it really takes... If if Forbes, Wharton, and Griffin, those are my like if we play a midfield three, yep. I'm ecstatic over those three. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I can rely on them. I can hang my hat on them and I know that. We get into a, you know, a busy stretch of games, we get an injury, and I think all of a sudden then it starts to get a little okay, we're you know, we're kinda looking around. So and it's I think generally midfielders, I mean the they should be the most versatile players. They should i think you know generally you play maybe defender defenders are a bit different though because you have center backs and then full backs you generally play the most midfielders in any position right so you just you need a lot of them um and uh yeah so i I think i like i like how our forwards are shaping uh, shaping up i think our defense has generally always been good i mean i our fullbacks, I think we've been lucky in the past, pre- in the previous seasons of having, in my opinion, one of the best, you know, one of yeah. the best fullback combinations in the league. Uh, Dover's still going to be there and he's still going to be great. VTL on goal. Centerbacks are going to do centerback stuff. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I think for me, midf- I, I still want, even though I really like our midfield, uh, I think another, another, like, Four four big names in the midfield, I think, would, would be good for us. Yeah. Big, and I'm putting Griffin in there as a big right. name because yeah, I yeah, think he's proven yeah. it last season. I think, I think my pick would be I want to see
0: another solid center back. I think part of the reason why we were able to sort of bring in almost a whole new center back crew last year was because of Tommy V. And I think not having Tommy V there, you need more experience – back there. Um, I'm not sure if, you know, Alex De John is that we'll see. Um, yes. He has MLS experience, but only 15 games of the past two seasons. So um, I think Preston has a bright future. I almost see Preston as like a, like a Toby when Toby was here where it's like super great player. Um, but he was like the number two, you, you have like that veteran guy that sort of has helped leading it. Toby's the exciting one that has the bright future but you need somebody back there to be the rock. And if we end up going, if we end up playing the same way that we did last year, you know, it feels like we need a third person back there. If say that Cicerone is out wide left and Dover is out wide, right. unless, you know, Danny Rivera becomes that player the same way that Ryan James could kind of be that player at times. Um, that would be interesting, but, uh, yeah, a lot a lot to see there i, I but I, I think center back i'd like to see another good center back but um yeah let us know what you think because i think uh, this is interesting and like i said the last week i think the hounds announced three players so they're they're just gonna keep coming well like i said we're at 16 last year we had 23 so you know we probably have at least six seven eight more players to look forward to um and we know that lily likes to poach teams once they start dropping from or poach players once they start dropping from mls rosters um so we'll we'll see how this all shakes out
1: um yeah that was about a as good of a run through as you can expect between the two of us so i I hope people enjoyed it (laughs) especially you know for the end
0: of february when we haven't seen like half these guys play so yeah um Kev, the other thing that I don't think we really spent any time on is they've started to announce some of the season details. So we are going to have a season, so that's good. I know at one point we were like, is this going to happen? What's going to happen? COVID um, is still a thing, um, but it seems like through a combination of vaccinations and um, you know enough people having gotten it, um, we're we're quickly getting to the point where they think that Anybody who wants a vaccine might be able to get one by mid to late summer, which is awesome. So that could mean bodies back in the stadiums, which would be awesome. Um, Again, not something that we would have thought was possible probably two months ago. So um, the the USL has announced that the season is officially going to start sometime sometime around May 1st. It's going to be up to the team's discretions as to whether or not that's like last week in April, first week in May, around there. Um, so, really, you know, if that's what we're talking about, we're like two months out, um, which is not a ton of time, um, you know, to, to finalize some things and have all sorts of announcements and jerseys and all of that fun stuff. So, it's going to start coming fast and furious here. The interesting thing is that they said that we're going to be splitting into four divisions which i don't think divisions is probably the right word but it's going to split into four different groups so there's 31 teams in the usl championship this year um so that would mean that if they were trying to do it evenly which that's no guarantee each division would have eight teams with one team having or one division having seven teams so three with eight one with seven so kev I included here, and I will tweet out this map, um, somebody was kind enough to put uh, the list of all of the USL championship teams on a Google map, so you can easily zoom in and out and around and see where all the teams are. Um, Figured we'd play this game of, who do you think will be in the Hounds division? So... There's two ways that we can look at this, right? You're you're like squinting at the screen like what the heck is he yeah, talking about? I'm
1: looking Oh, well, I'm looking at the map now. I didn't see this in the agenda. Now yeah, yeah, I'm pulling yeah. it up.
0: So um so basically there's two different ways you can look at this. I think if we are in the division that has seven teams, I think that it could go one way. If we're in the division that has eight teams, I think it could go another way. I think when you look at the map and this is great because, you know, we're, we're working off of a visual medium right now. When you look at the map, um, you know, we, we're we sort of clustered in the Northeast with three other teams, Loudon, Red Bull, and Hartford. So I think regardless of anything, those three teams are going to be in our division. So so there there you have four, okay? Beyond that, this is where we start to get into, are we in a division with seven or are we in a division with eight? I think our next closest rivals would be Indy and Louisville. So I think we could very well be, you know, Pittsburgh, Loudoun, Red Bull, Hartford, Indy, Louisville, which puts us at six. And then you start looking for, like, who could that seventh team possibly be? I could very well see the USL continuing to go west and adding Sporting KC to that. Um, And so basically you would have sort of a north East-ish type division that would be Hartford, New York, Loudoun, Pittsburgh, Louis, Indy, Sporting KC. That's if there's seven. If there's eight, I could actually see the USL doing something different and sort of having a Eastern cluster of New York, Red Bull, I'm, I'm sorry, Hartford, Red Bull, Loudoun, Pittsburgh, Indy, Louis, and then go south to the Carolinas and pick up Uh, the independence and the battery. And then your other division, um, basically from the east, would basically start in Florida and work its way west, where you'd go Miami, Rowdies, Atlanta, Birmingham, Memphis, um, potentially Sporting KC, maybe roping in the Oklahoma teams. So let me ask you, Kev, if you were a betting man, do you think that the Hounds are in a division with eight or seven? And if so... Who, who are
1: your teams? How do you see this shaking out? It's so really, because so as you were talking, I, I, I tried to do that test tactic of like process of elimination, right? right. I, I almost ignored teams who might be in our division and tried to look at obvious groupings elsewhere in the country. Right. Um, the West is a bit weird. I mean, the West and the Midwest, I'm, I'm I'm having a difficulty finding obvious clusters in the West and the Midwest. Sporting KC is just rough because yeah. they exist in, in these Midlands that kind of like longitudinally they have, they have five other teams yeah. that at least are in like their same kind of like time zone like strip, strip of land Right. And so in that sense, kind of intuitively, you almost want to group them together and just maybe pull one from the East or one from the West. But then you start looking at the West and it's like, there's obvious, I don't know. I think it's, I think, I think Indy and Louisville are shooting for us. Um, you think? Yeah. I think. Yeah. So yeah, we have our obvious four. I think you're right. I mean, we'll have loud and red bulls in Hartford. Um, I think if, if the USL were smart, I think we have something going with Louisville here. Yeah. Um, that they could potentially build on and market market around. Um, same thing with indy plus i don't really i mean you indy could be swooped into that left side but even still or or the the kind of midlands division um but but even still i i think memphis is the obvious one to get kind of dragged into the into that like central division yeah um so yeah i don't know i i mean and then (laughs) i don't know i don't know here's here's the
0: thing first of all actually seeing this on a map the team that i feel really bad for is Portland because they are clearly up in the middle of nowhere. Like no matter who they get, they going to travel. So you could do basically like a West. You could say the same thing with
1: Sporting Casey too, a little bit, but a little bit, ah,
0: not really a little bit. Yeah. Miami. Um, Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Miami, if it wasn't for the rowdies, like, yeah, Miami would be similar, but you know, you have, if you decided to do a West coast thing, you could do Portland, Oakland, um, Sacramento. And then you have, you know, the San Diego and the two LA type base teams, Orange County, and there's a grouping of six. Then you pull in Vegas, you got seven. Um, if you want, you either grab Phoenix or, uh, real and there's your eight. So there, that, that could be one grouping. And then I think you're right. Then you have sort of this cluster of like the four Texas teams, plus you know New Mexico and Colorado switchbacks which that gets you six so then you could either grab Real or um, Phoenix to join them so then that leaves sort of the Oklahoma Kansas City um, Memphis sort of off with the east if we were going to go west to east and then it just becomes a matter of okay you know who do the Florida teams play and which direction do they go do they go west or do they go north um Because that, I mean, that could be the other thing, right? Our division could very much be Hartford, uh, New York, Loudon, us. And then the two teams from Carolina and the two teams from Florida. And it's just straight East Coast. That's eight then. Yeah. There's one division that's going to have eight. Gotcha. Or no, no, no. I'm sorry. Three divisions are going to have eight. One division is going to have seven. Right. How would you feel not
1: being in a division with Indy and Louie? Oh, not good. I want them both in our division. I'm with you. Um. I'm just counting. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> I'm just looking at a map and counting. We're going to share like, right, this How smart. many I got there?
0: I'm sure that most of the Steel Army has already done this. I've seen sketches of like trying to guess what the divisions are going to be.
1: Um, yeah. Plus, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I I, I think if the USL were, were smart about this, I mean, we should – and maybe, you know, you're, you and other people – who follow this podcast and contribute to it are a lot more privy to these conversations than I am. But I imagine asking a St. Louis fan in the previous seasons, how much it was just terrible jumping around and, and playing different teams every season. Like I think a bit of familiarity to build up kind of semi rivalries and long-standing relationships against teams. I think that's, I don't know. I think it's a good thing. I could yeah. see the argument for making it, no, let's be it fresh. And it's kind of like, let's, Turnover and get new teams playing each other, but I, I think there's something there that you you want to keep, you want to keep kind of historic memories intact about kind of lived experiences. Oh yeah, I remember last time we played Hartford. Yeah, okay, yeah, and then it's like it kind of adds to the narrative of the story of of the game and the match that you're playing. So I think too much chopping and changing isn't good, and I think in in that respect. I mean, there's a lot to be said for having us in Indy and Louisville and Loudon and Hartford and Red Bulls all together, and then, yeah, you got to just start making de- <laughs> start making decisions. Yeah, I think regardless of of how they decide to chop this
0: up, I think we're going to end up with another like powerhouse type team in our division. I think it's either going to be Louisville, or if they go the full East Coast, we're going to have Rowdies. Um, so I think regardless, there's going to be. <laughs> it's funny how we think of ourselves now. Like uh, we are the team to beat, which for years we've been trying to get to that point, and you know it didn't entirely play out last season. It did in our division, but beyond that, it wasn't. Um, but I think that uh, I'd love to play India this year. I feel like they're just going to be a, a dumpster fire, and just a wail <laughs> on them would be great. Um, but I, I honestly, I think. I think the teams. If this was traditional East and West Coast, I think Rowdies are going to have a good season again. I think Louisville is going to have a good season again. Um, you know, Birmingham are getting stacked, but I don't think we're going to end up playing them. If this was traditional East Coast, they they would be with us. But I though if they're chopping things up, I don't see how Birmingham's in our division. Um. Yeah. I don't know. It'll be exciting
1: to see when they actually as, announce it. As much as I hate saying this, especially because of what I said at the beginning, I actually think Sporting Casey is going to get dragged into Eastern. Yeah. Discussions. I think so. Cause I mean, it's just, it, it just because of how, how the, how the rest of the team numbers add up out West yeah. and kind of in the South, like South Midlands. Yeah.
0: That was, that was the conclusion I came to prior to this call. And then I, I, yeah i I started to talk myself out of it I, if that was the scenario, that would actually be really nice for us because we'd be like smack dab in the middle of all the teams. We'd probably have the least amount of traveling out of anybody um which wouldn't be a terrible thing but uh but yeah, so I think we might end up in in one of the sevens actually you think I think there's only one seven the rest are eight. Uh, actually, I
1: don't know. I don't know anymore. It's I'm tough, done. I'm done man. with this. It's I'm done with tough. this. Yeah. I'm done.
0: All right. So okay, let's let's place our bets right now. Um, are we saying that uh, w- we won't even have to pick all the teams? I'm just gonna say, is Sporting KC gonna be in our division, or is Miami gonna be in our division? <laughs> <laughs> Kevin is just holding his head in his hands. <laughs> I don't know. I
1: really don't know. I, I'll I'll say. Look, okay. I'm, me... I'm going back on myself a million times. Now I'm thinking Miami is probably going to be be in our division. Let me let me. And I, fra- I I don't like that at all.
0: I was gonna say let me frame it this way. If Sporting KC is in our division, then I think we got Louie and Indy. If Miami is in our division, I think the odds of that
1: slip. Then maybe that's the maybe that's the USL kind of marketing department's reasoning for having it be Sporting KC and not Miami. But I just I, I think there's not enough teams in the southeast to create a sizable enough cluster where Miami can exist outside of a division with us. Right, and that's that's my worry. Whereas I think Sporting KC has the unfortunate thing of. Yeah, being in the middle of everything. So you you can make a case, you know, arguably a bad case, but you can make a case for Sporting KC to be almost in any geographic division, Yep, um, which is tough, whereas Miami you can't. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see.
0: Let us know. Let us know what you think. Is it is it going to be Sporting KC or is it going to be Miami? Because I think once you make that decision, that sort of shapes the rest of it for you. So... Maybe we'll put up a poll and, and try to figure out is it Casey or Miami. Guys, guys, Kev, I'm so used to saying guys. Jeez, I'm so sexist. I'm sorry. Laura Ellen's yelling at me right now. Um, This is good. This felt good to get back and talk about it. One thing I will say, um, we did not meet last week because I've desperately been trying to figure out how to do a live show because I feel like. It could be really, really fun, even if nobody shows up, just to have that thing where it's like, if you're doing nothing at 7 o'clock on a Monday, come and hang out with us. You know, we're doing it live. You can post comments. You can make fun of us. You could type players' names whenever we forget them. That would be super. Um, Kev? Kevin's muted, and now he's desperately... he, He had something super important to say, and he's... Desperately trying to say it, and he's still muted, and now he's trying to figure it out. But anyway, um, so I was desperately trying to figure out how to do Facebook Live. Um, The trick is that trying to get all of us on video at the same time with Facebook Live isn't as straightforward as I thought. Plus, I hate Facebook. So it seems like the effort to do that for Facebook Live would be equal to doing it for YouTube Live. Um, So before this season starts, we are going to figure that out. And uh, and and we're going to figure out how to do live shows. And I think it could be fun, especially if we figure it out and we're able to get, um, you know, uh, guests and players on the show. If you guys could jump in and actually watch the interviews live and be able to submit questions live, that could be a ton of fun. So I promise we will figure this out before the season starts. We have two months um, and, uh, and we're going to make that happen. But that, that was part of the reason why we didn't do it last week. I basically was like, wait, wait, I'm going to figure this out, and then got to Monday afternoon, I was like, I can't figure this out. So lots of stuff to talk about this week. I'm glad that we did talk about it. I am much more excited now than I probably was a week ago. Hopefully you guys all feel the same way. Um, so thank you guys for joining us. And, uh, you know, thanks as always to our sponsor, roughneck scarf, official scarf supplier to usl, MLS and us soccer, Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. This is your, I say weekly reminder. It's been like a month, but this is your reminder that black lives matter for sure. Uh, you need to go over and check out backyard footy right now. Hugh Roberts just dropped a new episode today with a, an amazing panel. Um, just can't say enough about what Hugh is doing over there. You have to go check that out. Um, like I said, backyard footy, you can check it out at bgn.fm. Find backyard footy on any of your podcast um, streaming services. Uh, it's there, and he is just absolutely killing it. So go check that out. Um, tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas looking for a unique completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team. Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. Looking for more great USL news, head over to BGN.fm where we've got over a hundred fans that are writing and podcasting about the beautiful game. Lots of great features that went up on the site just this past week. Go check them out at BGN.fm. Otherwise, Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you very, very
1: soon. Kevin's waving because his mic doesn't work.